Sester. Lights. Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is sports news. Whoa! For the third time <laughs> ever in Knickknack News. I actually haven't kept track, but that's probably not far it's off. It's probably under five. Yeah. <laughs> this is from The Guardian. And the headline is, Man Runs a Marathon on Seven-Meter Balcony During French Lockdown. Yup. <laughs> okay. In the age of COVID-19 confinement, which is now happening across mm-hmm. the world, Elisha Nachamovitz has figured out a way to keep occupied by running a full marathon on his balcony. Nachamovitz ran 42.2 kilometers or 26.2 miles, back and forth, never leaving his seven-meter-long balcony. Okay, so he did. He was just running back and forth. Oh. Yes. Because that's the first image that popped into my mind. It's like, no, that's stupid. He's using a treadmill. <laughs> no. <laughs> <And then> I, <laughs> he, nope. Nope. No. He was just running back and forth on his balcony. All right. He saw it as a physical and mental challenge and also shared <laughs> images of the feet online as a way to extend his support to medical personnel who are doing an exceptional job. I don't know. This is raising awareness, I guess. Um, Nachimovis wanted to show that it's possible to stay fit as virus containment measures tighten around the world. He also wanted to lighten everyone's mood. <laughs> I- <laughs> He didn't exactly make record time. It <laughs> took him six hours and 48 minutes to do this. Apparently, he got nauseous during part of it, um, and he was worried about the neighbors complaining about the pounding of his footsteps, but they were actually very accommodating, and he finished it. Did he, did he so. or did it, somebody calculate how many times he had to run back and forth for it to get? Um, that was not stated here. Because it's 26.2 miles and seven feet, right? It was seven meters, so twenty-three. Oh, seven feet. meters, twenty-three feet. I can't do. Yeah, that so in we my could head, do the math. But we do could. you want me to do the math right kind now? Of. <laughs> okay, wait. It was. Um, let me, I'll, so twenty-six point two times. Yeah, that'll be way easier. Okay, if I did the math right, it's six thousand and twenty-eight point six. So. So 6, that's how many times he had to turn around. Essentially. Yes. <laughs> so he ran across the balcony, like not. Twice, but like one way, uh-huh. six thousand and twenty-nine <laughs> times. That's insane. I wonder how many of his neighbors so just like much. looked up and were like, "What are you? <laughs> what on earth?" Oh, it actually said in here that there were people on the street like staring at him during this. <laughs> Wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I would. I probably would. There was a note at the end of the article that uh, said, technically, the French authorities are still allowing people to go outside for exercise, such as running. Right. But they have to fill out and sign a form explaining their reasons for leaving their home. Yeah. My so. my cousin is actually living in Paris right now. Oh, yeah. So she, yeah, it's, I've been getting a lot of updates from her about the situation. And yeah, they, they have a form and it's like five different reasons you can technically be outside and mm-hmm. like police officers will stop you and ask, ask the- why you're there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So, weird good, times. Weird times. My first story is animal news. <laughs> this comes from USA Today. Scientists discover an ancient worm like creature that's the ancestor of all animals, including us. 
Whoa. So it's like a common evolutionary link. Hmm. Uh, scientists have discovered a fossil of our earliest ancestor, a tiny worm-like creature that lived about 555 million years ago, according to a new study. It's the earliest bilaterian, bilater, bilat, it's like bilateral, <laughs> bilateral Ian, uh, which is an organism with a front and back, two symmetrical sides, and openings at either end connected by a gut. So like the very most basic form of like what you would think of most animals is having oh. like, this was the, apparently the earliest one they've ever discovered. Um, and this is scientists from University of California, Riverside, that, that made this discovery. Uh, the tiny fossil, which is about as big as a grain of rice, so it's a very, very tiny worm-like creature, was discovered in South Australia. With the help of high-tech 3D laser scanning, scientists were able to locate fossils of the distinct tube-like organisms in a former seabed. Uh, bilateral symmetry was a critical step in the evolution of human life. It gave organisms the ability to move purposefully as well as a common yet successful way to organize their bodies. So yeah, when you think about it, like because they're divided into halves, like having those two halves move like and having them like move independently, but also be symmetrical meant that there was like, that's how like forward locomotion essentially came to be for, for creatures like us. Interesting. So that's why it's like a common ancestor of pretty of much every everything animal. that's bilateral like that. Right. Oh. Yeah. Weird. Um so the article also says a multitude of animals from worms to insects to dinosaurs to humans are organized around the same basic body plan. I mean, with yeah. some additional appendages, I guess. <laughs> uh, the creature was given the Latin name Acaria wario wariotia. There's two O's in the second one, so it's not Wario. Yeah, it's, it's sounding <laughs> it's like Wario. War, war, yeah, <laughs> it's not named after Wario. It's like Wario, Wario, Wariutia. <laughs> anyway, hmm. the first word is after Akara, which is an indigenous Australian word for meeting place, and Wariuta is the name of a local creek. Geologist and study co-author Mary Drozer said the discovery is what evolutionary biologists predicted. It's really exciting that what we have found lines up so neatly with their predictions. Like, basically, this is the creature that they assumed we all evolved from. I see. And it turns they've out... They've found evidence of it now. They, turned, they found one, <laughs> essentially. That they is cool. They didn't have one before, yeah. It's just, it's the first common evolutionary ancestor that just has all these incredibly basic building functions of every animal since. Yeah, it's just I'm having trouble accepting the fact that we're all evolved from a worm. <laughs> yeah, I should show you the picture, the artist's rendition of it as well. It's kind of gross. <laughs> Is it? Oh. <laughs> Basically looks like a really, really short looks fat like a- worm. Yeah, it's like a, it's it's very, it's oval shaped. Yes. It's like a pill bug almost, but, but, but a naked. flat worm. <laughs> but a naked pill bug with no legs. Naked pill bug. Ugh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody asked for that. That, that's, that's cool. I, like, I, now I want to know more about like, what is, what are the other like steps in the chain? Like before yeah. and after that? I'm curious about that now. 
fascinating. Yeah, like what immediately preceded something like this? And yeah. What came like right like after it? Like what? I mean, I assume single celled organisms, multi celled organisms, then this worm. Right. And you just right? wonder how soon after this thing did like the tree just branch out? Or was it like a long time before that happened? Yeah. It's really cool. We don't know. That is really cool. Okay, my next story is a food news. And this is actually uh, similar to one of the stories that I brought last week. Oh. Um, the headline, oh, and it's from popularmechanics.com. The headline is how a local distillery shifted from hard liquor to hand sanitizer <laughs> in just two days. So apparently more places are doing this. Yeah, it sounds like a bunch of places have started <laughs> switching over. Yeah, which I'm, I think that's great. That's and, really clever, I think. Um, I found out what the other ingredients were. Oh, good. hand sanitizer <laughs> for reading this. So it's an so. update, too. It's an update. Um, Chad Butters. Of the, <laughs> I knew. Sorry, I knew that was gonna. Sorry, Mr. Butters. I shouldn't laugh. That's the article they refer to him as just Butters. <laughs> like, isn't that one of the? Um, it's a South Park, South Park character. character yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even a big South Park fan, but like that name is just so ridiculous. <laughs> I know. I I don't even watch that much South Park, and I like knew that. Um, Chad Butters of. Eight Oaks Farm Distillery in New Tripoli, Pennsylvania, has completely shifted the focus of his business in order to serve and possibly save his community. Butters, an Army veteran, says that it was never a question of if but how Eight Oaks could shift their focus from making spirits to producing hand sanitizer, using their stores of grain to produce ethanol. So they switched to making uh, World Health Organization approved sanitizer in just two days. Which I think is pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, so as a distillery, Eight Oaks already had the grain to produce ethanol, but then they had to get the other ingredients, which are hydrogen peroxide and glycerol. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess the glycerol is the gel oh, stuff. Okay. Probably. That makes sense. And then hydrogen peroxide is just hydrogen peroxide. <laughs> it says, I'm also here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That, apparently that's the World Health Organization approved formula. It peroxidizes the, uh, the hydrogen. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they also had to figure out how to get bottles for this because it's a different type of bottle, obviously. Yeah, you're <laughs> not going to sell put like it a, into handle the, of... <laughs> a handle of hand sanitizer. Hey, actually, people would buy that. Could I get a growler of hand sanitizer? <laughs> I want a keg of hand sanitizer. You guys selling kegs of hand sanitizer? I'm going to do a keg stand on this hand sanitizer. I don't actually know what a keg stand involves, but in my scenario, they're using it to clean themselves upside down. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, So then they had to figure out how production, marketing, logistics, and communications were going to work. Butters says the heaviest lift was... I forgot about Butters already. (laughs) Going on, chasing down the supply to get pieces and parts in place. Um, He said that they are using their own standard production equipment to produce the alcohol, um, which usually takes approximately nine days to go from grain to the finished product. Um, And then they just have to add the other ingredients and put them in the bottle, which is pretty quick. So um, for now, Eight Oaks is focused on producing hand sanitizer to give away at no cost to hospitals, assisted living homes, and the local community. And they hope to move forward with producing a spray sanitizer for surfaces also. Oh, wow. Huh. So. 
Yeah. It's pretty I mean, nice. It's just one of the ways you wouldn't have expected people to start stepping up. Like it's just, it's, yeah. I, it, that would be very low on the list of things I would guess would happen in a situation like this. It's like an unexpected, pleasant surprise. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, they can, we, we have a bunch of places that can make hand sanitizer. Yeah. They, we, they're just disguised as distilleries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just like when people are creative, come up with creative solutions to problems and makes me feel, makes me feel good. So thank you, Butters. <laughs> Thanks, Butters. Sorry for <laughs> laughing at your name. Sorry we laughed at your name. It's not your fault. My next story is Space News. This is from Ars Technica. SpaceX gets FCC license for one million satellite broadband user terminals. That is a network of one. What does that mean? They can launch one million of these satellites for their, like, bro- their satellite broadband network. Oh. They just got FCC clearance for it. Oh. So that's a lot. That's some. a lot. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, SpaceX has received government approval to, depo- to deploy up to 1 million user terminals in the United States for its Starlink satellite broadband constellation. Um, they asked the FCC for the license in February of last year, and the FCC announced its approval in a public notice last week. The license is good for 15 years. I don't know. Like They're not going to shoot what? them out of the sky after 15 years, yeah, right? How do they enforce that? Like, I have no idea. I guess just like they won't approve launches after that point. I don't know. Um, again, also, how do you stop them from launching a rocket? What are you going to do? 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 Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. Look, just, boom, they just press a button and just launches behind I mean, them. You try to stop yeah. us. Good luck. <laughs> I mean, Probably the government can like yeah, shut down I, I, their company or something. Hundred percent sure that's true. So. But I don't actually know. <laughs> I'm I'm seventy five percent joking. Twenty five percent not actually sure. Uh, <laughs> One million terminals would only cover a fraction of U.S. homes, apparently. But SpaceX is isn't necessarily looking to sign up huge portions of the U.S. population. Uh, Elon Musk said at a conference that Starlink will likely serve the three or four percent hardest to reach customers for telecommunication companies and people who simply have no connectivity right now or the connectivity Mm. is really bad. So their goal is pretty much to serve underserved areas and primarily uh, rural areas, I would assume, um, throughout the United States. That makes sense. Um, I think their plans are also to eventually take this worldwide, but um, SpaceX already has FCC approval to launch up to 11,943 satellites, which is such a specific number. <laughs> yeah, wait, what? <laughs> what? 11,943? Yeah. I've, so they already I, had that permission. It, it has to be some like dollar amount that rounds out I guess, to yeah, the number but, of satellites. Yeah, maybe a million is kind of a, a like a, they're rounding, I don't know. Um, but unlike traditional broadband satellites, these will operate from low Earth orbits and be capable of delivering high speeds and latencies of below 20 milliseconds, which is pretty good for satellite-based uh, broadband. Uh, the service is expected to be available in parts of the U.S. this year, although it will take years to launch all the planned satellites, obviously. Uh, obviously. <laughs> like, no, they're going to do it in one day. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I think they are able to launch a bunch simultaneously. Um, oh, that helps at least. But uh, so SpaceX has so far launched 362 satellites, um, which is even a fraction of that 11,000 number from earlier. So 
Like, I don't know why they needed a million. Um, but they have another launch of 60 satellites planned for April, uh, but no date for that launch has been announced yet. So that's okay. what I'm. That's why I'm guessing they're able to launch like a bunch at once. Like, hmm. yeah, I mean, how- if they launch like one a day, they would never hit a million. No. <laughs> how do do you know how big these satellites are? Like, I, assume I, I don't mean like small, a, but I, yeah, I don't. Not know. looking for a number, but like a something for scale. Like, are they like the no width idea. of like a house or like? I don't know the width of. Are they smaller than like I've I think never they're seen smaller one. than a house. Okay. Are they smaller than a mouse? I don't think so. <laughs> Certainly not smaller than a louse. Maybe the size give, of a blouse. If you give a satellite a cookie, <laughs> what happens? Well, don't pour milk on it. That will probably mess with the electronics. Oh, oh okay. Uh, yeah, I have I have no actual idea, but I don't okay. That's fine. Think, I, was just I don't think knew. they're house size. That seems like it'd be a really large payload to be launching like sixty at a time of, but. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's. I also too don't big. have I a good wondering. sense of scale when it comes to space things. I mean, it's just it's so much bigger than. Yeah, a lot of a lot of those <laughs> so things say, are it's bigger so much than bigger than we give it credit for. It's like it's we like give we, it plenty of credit. credit. <laughs> <laughs> like when you see them in real life up close, they're bigger than what they look like if you were to see it on like TV or something. <laughs> yeah. And the only <laughs> data point overhead. I have for that is like real small. when I've been to a <laughs> when I've been to a museum and seen like a space shuttle. Right. That's like all that I have to go off of. On TV, doesn't it, it's hard to really understand like how big that stuff yeah, is. Yeah, it's like I'm picturing these are probably about as big as maybe like the the Moonlander sort of thing was. With I don't know if you've okay. been to the museum in DC, the Air and Space Museum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's kind of what I'm picturing, but I have no I have no idea. I shouldn't be saying because I I don't have any idea how big these are. Yeah, because it's like how. For it to catch the signal, like it doesn't right. have to be I, big. Like that's what yeah. I mean. Maybe that's a silly logic to have in my mind, but like that's kind of what I. I don't know. I'm not a satellite. I'm not a satellite scientist. scientist. Yeah, I was just gonna say like maybe we should stop. We don't know. <laughs> my next story is random local news. This is from HuffPost.com. The headline is Christmas lights are back. People try to brighten spirits amid coronavirus fears. <laughs> that sounds nice. Yeah. It's beginning to look like the most surreal Christmas anyone's ever seen. <laughs> that was credit to the author of this article. Yeah, let's that. not give him too much credit. <laughs> um, about 100 million Americans are now under instructions to shelter in place to stop the spread of the coronavirus outbreak. And some are responding in an unusual way by putting up their holiday lights. In an effort to raise spirits, seasonal decor is emerging from garages, sheds, and closets. I don't know why they needed to specify that. <laughs> Here's uh, a list of places where people store <laughs> Christmas lights. Their basements. Attics. Their a- this person just puts them in a pile on their backyard. <laughs> we asked every American. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we took a full- <laughs> There's like a poll at the end of this. Where do you store your Christmas lights? Um... My Christmas stuff is behind Anthony's chair right now, where it remains for the whole year, just like out. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, over the weekend, apparently Hallmark Channel even broke out its Christmas movies. Okay, what's that doing? <laughs> <laughs> They're supposed to be cheerful. There's, there's plenty to watch. <laughs> We're well, good on content. Hallmark wants some of the market share, Anthony, okay? I know. They want some of the viewing That's time. Fair. Okay. I'm just saying. Well, they're not going to get it from me. 
Me either. <laughs> what do we have against Hallmark? I don't know, but uh-huh. I'm not watching it right now. And then at the end of the article, they have a whole list of all of these like Twitter posts that people have put up of them putting up their Christmas lights in the past like week. All right. So that's the the thing. Okay. So are we supposed to do this? <laughs> no. No, it was it's not really like this call to action to do this. It's just kind of a, an awareness of people are doing it. So if you wanted to do it, it wouldn't be weird. I see. If it would make you happy. Oh, I don't want to go outside. It's too if cold. If it would make you happy <laughs> that you could put up the lights. It could be that bad. So um, I personally will not be putting up Christmas decorations because then I have to take them down, exactly. which I hate doing. Yeah. So um, I'm not going to do that. But um, yeah, if you're listening to this and this sounds appealing to you, again, yeah. you may put up Christmas decorations and it won't be weird. Hey, if nothing else, it's something to do. Yeah. My next story is science news. This is from lifehacker.com. Why time no longer has meaning, according to science. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) This is not what I needed to hear today. It's actually pretty fascinating. Okay. Uh, These past few... This credit to the author. These past few weeks, time has lost all meaning. Days feel like weeks. Weeks feel like months. Okay. Let's go down. Uh, as it turns out, this warping of time has an explanation rooted in how our brains record memories during times of extreme fear and stress. Uh, the most famous experiment demonstrating this effect was performed by neuroscientist David Eagleman. It's a pretty great David name. David Eagleman. Eagleman. That is so... Spelled, spelled Eagle Man. Wow. That, <laughs> yep. That's so... Um, what is the word I'm looking for? Powerful. Yeah, like prestigious sounding. Yeah. Sounds like he should be a, lo- a lawyer, honestly, but I guess neuroscientist is pretty good too. Dave, David Eagleman, attorney at law. Att- yeah, like a lawyer or maybe like some like historian of uh, yeah. something. To answer this question of whether our perception of time slows down when we are afraid, he devised an experiment where volunteers jumped off a 150-foot platform. They did not specify... I assume there was padding at the end or something. Yeah, they didn't say probably. how they landed safely. But um, <laughs> during their fall, he had them look at a digital digital display strapped to their wrists, so a smartwatch, uh, which was flashing numbers that were changing at a rate that was just a little too fast for human comprehension. The theory was that if their perception of time was actually slowing down, they would be able to read the numbers. But they couldn't, which suggests that our perception of time isn't altered during moments of extreme fear. So we're not actually, like, our perception of time isn't actually changing. I think I heard about this study before. Oh, really? This is the first I'd heard of it. Someone told me about this, like, but in a different context. I mean, not, like, time-stretching kind of in this, but, but more like if there's a moment of, like, something happens, and then you, you and look back on dilates. it, and you're like... Yeah, like you're like, I remember every single little yeah. second of what happened. Like, was it, Well, that's it, what I'm about to get to. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, that's exactly it, though. Instead, the answer seems to lie in how our brain actually records memories during these times and how we recall them. When we're afraid, our brain gets kicked into high gear, and everything is focused on noticing every single tiny detail of that moment in an effort to keep us alive. So, yeah, essentially, it's not that time is stretched out. It's that your memories are so detailed that your brain is like, wait a second. 
there's so much information here. This must have taken like a long time to happen. So you remember yeah. it as long, which when you think about it, memory is everything that's happened. Not right now. Yeah. <laughs> not in the future. Like, so yeah. even like a day can feel long just because your brain remembers it uh, being longer than it actually was. Right. Um, as Equalman explains, such a good name. As yeah. Equalman explains it, people don't actually see time in slow motion during an event. Um, instead, when you are in a life-threatening moment, your brain records this memory in much greater detail. Then when you recall this memory, your brain gets confused by all these extra details and is tricked into thinking this event lasted longer than it actually did, which is kind of what I just said, but um, that's what they said. And so, yeah, it's it, it kind of makes sense then why this year so far has felt so long because it's kind of a, I mean, I don't really want to delve too deep into this feeling, but kind of a constant sense of fear. And like, it also kind of explains why for some people the past few years have felt really long. And mm-hmm. I won't get into why that is, but <laughs> fill but in the blanks. Anytime, like, yeah, that that's super fascinating. Like anytime something's going on in your life, that's kind of putting you constantly on edge, whatever mm-hmm. it might be, it's going to cause time to feel longer right. because of this effect. Well, and think about like something like a world event or something that caused you to start paying attention a lot more. I feel like yeah. once you start paying attention, then you're really starting to think about this thing. And that probably also contributes to this effect. It's probably both conscious and subconscious that it, that our brain has more details about like situations that stresses out. So, I just thought that was interesting. It makes a ton of sense and explains a lot of how my perception of time has been lately. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, a lot of people, I'm sure, are experiencing that. Right. Um, Yeah, that's. I love learning about how the brain works. I know. It's so complicated and like. Satisfying, too, to have a reason for something. Like, obviously, I don't think this is proven, like, as a hard fact or anything, but it's like a really solid explanation of why, and it makes a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. So. It's, it's, I don't know. It gives me some amount of comfort too, just knowing why I'm feeling away. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, it's time for breaking news. The part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today and we read them to you on the fly. Weird times. <laughs> Ready, set, go! go! Okay, this is an article on insider.com. The headline is 15 adorable and mesmerizing animal live streams you can watch from home. It's just like a list of all of these zoos and different organizations that are um, setting up live streams, or maybe they were already set up, but it's just more relevant now because people right. are at home, <laughs> um, that you can just watch animals. So uh, one of them is giant pandas. Uh, this other one is baby goats. In a nursery. Uh, this one is a, a uh, aquarium with soothing views of jellyfish. Ooh, that sounds nice. Like a Yule log, but with, but with jellyfish. But, uh, yeah, exactly. I'm going to put that on the, back, <laughs> on the background of a, well, a party for one, I guess. A party <laughs> in the background of a party for one. Uh, snow leopard cubs. Uh that's what's just safari. Australian reef. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. Um, oh, and rescue dogs. Oh. Yeah. So obviously we'll have this link posted. So yes. you can go to that, the link and it has the information on all the live streams. So if you want to check out any of those. It could be a valuable resource. Yeah. <laughs> For calm in these weird times. In these weird times. I found this on Huffington Post. 
Man told to turn down music chased neighbor with sword. <laughs> I saw that headline. I mean, that's how I react I, like, to yeah, it. So <laughs> completely just normal. Pull out your katana My and katana, just run. Yeah, <laughs> just run after him, screaming probably. I don't know. <laughs> Um, it says a man has been accused of grabbing a two and a half long, foot long sword and chasing after another man who asked him to turn down his music, <laughs> according to police in Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh, what music do you think he was listening to? I don't know. They didn't. They didn't specify. Uh, There's actually not a lot of details in this story, which is kind of disappointing because I want to know everything about <laughs> it. Um, Does he also have nunchucks? I mean, let's be honest. Does probably. he also have? <laughs> A mace. I have no idea. I, I'm thinking of old, various, antiquated weapons. Yes, antiquated weaponry. Who, who knows, but my bet, my bet's on yes. Uh, he allegedly chased the man down a hall, police said. The man got away, and there were no injuries, so nobody was actually hurt in this, so that's okay. Well, that's we're good. laughing at it. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at this, but just he was charged with criminal threatening, which is, I don't know why that's funny to me. <laughs> the, well, yeah, it's like... You didn't Criminal really do threatening. anything. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm gonna do a thing. Yeah, like what? I don't know. Like, what is the threshold of doing threatening someone? Yeah, when does it when does and it turn from a civil threat into a criminal threat? That's not how that works. Probably. Yeah. Wait. Are there different levels of threats? If you threaten someone at all, could you be like charged criminally? I don't know. It's actually interesting. I wonder if it if it's like threatening physical harm is what makes it like a criminal oh. act like actually, like actually having a weapon and threatening to use it essentially yeah obviously that's what's illegal yeah saying threatening physical harm is not does not yeah it definitely the law is complicated <laughs> regardless this guy had a sword on hand and uh pulled it out and I guess, ran and just after ran after somebody it? so yeah, it's, it's a little bit. It's a little bit overkill. of an over, a little bit of an overreaction. I'll say. Yeah, just like it's a smidge. You could have just a large, you just turned down the a music. A large smidge, just a large, an enormous smidge, a smudge, a large sm- a smudge. <laughs> if I dare say, wait, what am I saying? <laughs> I dare say it's a smudge of an overreaction. Um. I just want to know what music he was listening to that was so I, important I, yeah. that this was his reaction. When the guy was like, turn it down, he was like, no, my... I, yeah, my, I, I want to know so much more about this. And, everything and depends on I this just, music. I feel quality. kind of denied. <laughs> That's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews and on Twitter at, at knickknacknews. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.